0: Welcome to Season 1, Episode 8 of the Scary Savannah and Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Brett, and with me as always is my lovely wife, Crystal. How have you been this week, Crystal?
1: I've been good. We're actually recording this on Christmas Eve Eve.
0: Yes, we are.
1: We're very busy getting everything ready and getting the last of the presents wrapped, and the kids are coming tomorrow, and... We had your family over last week.
0: We did. And um, we've had some eventful things happen since then. (laughs) Uh, Most notably, what we will come to know in the future as the ham fiasco. Would you like to talk about that a little bit?
1: (laughs) Yes. So I enlisted Kirsten, our youngest daughter, who was 18, to pick up a ham for Christmas. Now, I figured this was an easy task. Would you think
0: and it should be. Something that could not possibly go wrong, right?
1: Right. So I said, you know, stop by Walmart, pick up a ham. Easy, right? So she tells her sister, Kylie, what my plans are. And Kylie's like, no, we have to get a better ham. Like apparently Walmart ham's not good enough.
0: We can't eat at Walmart. We're too good for that. (laughs) Now, first of all, we're not too good for that. I would eat it.
1: But so I was like, okay, fine, go to Publix and get a ham, whatever. So someone goes to Publix and I get a credit card notification saying that you've spent $126 at Publix. And I'm like, what?
0: Oh, yes. I was sitting beside her on the bed when this happened and (laughs) she freaked out. So I
1: immediately call Kirsten and I'm like, "Uh, what happened? And it's not Kirsten on the phone. It's Kylie because Kirsten wouldn't answer it.
0: Because Kirsten was scared of you.
1: (laughs) She was like, I knew this was wrong. I knew it was wrong. So apparently, instead of doing it herself, she and Kylie enlisted the help of their boyfriend and fiance to pick up the ham. They go to Publix and they go to the deli department and proceed to buy a hundred dollar boar's head ham that you would normally slice up for lunch meat.
0: Yes, not that you would slice up, that the deli would slice up. Yeah, they slice, up. slice you it might for buy you. <laughs> a pound at a time. They bought the whole unwrapped I mean fully wrapped ham themselves.
1: Unsliced. So, you know, then, and it's already cooked and everything. So there's no, like, no glaze, no nothing. And I'm like, what in the world?
0: Don't you wish you could have seen the face of the lady or the man behind the counter when they asked for that?
1: Yeah, he did say that the guy looked at him like he was crazy. He's like, no one's ever bought this much ham before. This makes no sense to me. <laughs> now, How is this happening? Now, this kid has a college degree and works for the government, but you can't send him to the store to buy ham. Yeah. I don't get it.
0: He's a very smart guy. He's very smart. The thing is, he just doesn't have a lot of experience with this. And it was a great learning experience. It was a great learning
1: experience. So the girls had to go back to Publix at 930 last night and exchange the ham for a $27 holiday ham.
0: More what we're talking about. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Okay, so that was a so that very was entertaining funny. event, wasn't it?
1: Hopefully, that's the worst thing that happens Of this course, week.
0: you didn't seem to be very happy about it at the time.
1: I wasn't. Well, when you get a charge for 100 and something dollars on your credit card when you're thinking it should be $30, um, I'm not happy with that. You were thinking they
0: just picked up a few extra yeah, items Yeah, I was like, what themselves? did y'all buy? Okay, so saying all that, we want to let you know about our Patreon page. If you go to patreon.com forward slash scary savannah, You can help support the podcast for as little as $3 a month or slightly more if you're so inclined. And if you do so, you can get some pretty cool merchandise. Right, Crystal? Yeah,
1: we've got mugs and shirts and stickers and mugs!
0: Oh, you said that. (laughs) I did. But they're so cool. It's so nice. You got to say it twice. You know what I'm saying?
1: You really don't if you listened the first time.
0: I'm just trying to cover up my tracks here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So go there, support us. Uh, you can also find us online at www.scarysavannahandbeyond.com or www.scarysavannah.net. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter using the username at scary savannah. And now we have two new things on social media. We have a YouTube page, which to get to it, Just go to our website, which I mentioned earlier, and the link to the YouTube page will be on there. And we also have a TikTok.
1: Hey, we have like three videos.
0: We do. We still haven't quite figured that out yet. So please bear with us. We're working on it. As us people who are not teenagers figure out how to make that interesting. So...
1: It's just, whenever I open TikTok, it annoys me because it immediately starts playing videos with sound, and you can't make the sound not and either. And
0: it's always somebody doing some ridiculous dance, and I, know. I don't know why <laughs> that's entertaining. But
1: I just want to see dogs, basically.
0: That's really all social media is for, is animal videos, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I love watching dog videos.
0: Yeah, me too. So, that being said, you can also reach us at the phone number 912-406-2899. Once again, that's 912-406-2899. goes right to voicemail. You can leave us a message if you have anything you'd like to tell us about the podcast, anything you'd like to have us play on air, any questions, or if for some reason we owe you money,
1: feel free to leave a voicemail. (laughs) No, don't do
0: that. We'll get right back with you. We're going to give you an update off of a previous episode before we jump into what we're talking about this week. We actually took my parents' over to the Pirates House. They were in town a week or so ago for our early Christmas celebration and they've never been there. So we thought it would be a neat experience to take them there. Don't you agree?
1: Yeah, I always loved the Pirate House. I think they enjoyed it. They did. We didn't see any ghosts. So I think your mom was okay with that because she's not big into seeing ghosts, even though she's seen them, she
0: says. You say we didn't, but If you watch a video I'm going to tell you about in a minute, you were there.
1: Well, I mean, we didn't see an actual ghost, maybe.
0: Okay. Um, Well, we were there also because we had a little bit of interest in maybe having another go at capturing something paranormal while we were there. Um, We reserved a table. And even though it was near Christmas, the restaurant wasn't very crowded.
1: Yeah, it was surprisingly empty. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I everyone's out of town. Uh, we had easy access to walk around and take some additional videos and audio recordings in an attempt to maybe capture something uh, worth playing for you.
1: Yeah, I like that. This time, you could basically walk around anywhere you wanted without feeling like you're bothering people because there wasn't that many people in there.
0: Yeah, and this time, I actually did steal Crystal's idea and I had the seafood platter. And you need to make sure that you try the fried green tomato appetizer if you do go here because it's freaking amazing, right?
1: Yeah, it's like served with some like homemade pimento cheese, which sounds weird as a combination, but it was actually delicious. It was
0: very smoky too. The pimento cheese is smoky. It works.
1: Yeah, so get the appetizer.
0: Yeah. So we sat in the main dining room and that's centered basically between the stairs to the rum cellar, which is where the tunnels supposedly are, and the remnant of the old herb house our server
1: i think it was christy
0: christy our server christy uh, said she had been working there for not very long i I think she said it was just about a a year or so yeah i think so i wanted to ask our server some questions about whether or not she had had any experiences there since we had a different server than our previous time and i did get the opportunity to do that and she actually told us about some ghosts that we Neither one of us has actually even read or heard of in uh, any writings, right?
1: Right. I hadn't heard of Sarah.
0: Yeah. So these ghosts are apparently both focused around the Herb House. And that just happens to be, and this is debated when I did some research, but we're going to go with, yes, this is true. (laughs) It's supposed to be the oldest extant building in the state of Georgia with claims of it being constructed in or around 1733. Or 1734. Did
1: you say the oldest extant building? Yeah. What's that mean?
0: That's a great question. I think it means still standing. Oh, okay. I think it means. I'm probably wrong. Maybe (laughs) Maybe we'll get a voicemail on that. I don't know. It's a great word, though. I just wanted to say Well, it's not in the
1: notes. So I'm like, did you just make that word up? No,
0: I just make words up all the time. (laughs) So 1733,
1: that's the year that Savannah was founded.
0: We're going to keep it a little loosey-goosey here and say that you're right and that I'm right, too.
1: Well, I know I'm right about Savannah being founded in 1733. Well, I'll tell you what I
0: know I'm right about. <laughs> I'm right about knowing that you're right about what you know. <laughs> and let's just say I was right. Okay. For the sake of the story, she told us that there is a ghost there named Sarah. And when we talk about the Herb House, it, from the street, you can see it, and it looks like it's its own building alongside the pirate house. But when you go into the restaurant, everything's sort of adjoined together. So when you're sitting in the main dining room, At the pirate house, there's a doorway that you walk into to go into what was the herb house. And there's a large table there that's set up with a play setting. It's almost always got people in it. That's why we've never really been able to walk in there and check it out.
1: Do you remember what she said happened to Sarah?
0: I believe she said that either she was pushed or jumped headfirst into a well, and that's how she expired.
1: Yeah, like there was a well right out in front of the herb house, and either she was pushed or jumped like i don't know why you would think to jump down a well. there are better places to jump in savannah
0: yeah just jump in the river i guess you could have (laughs) jumped off the talmadge bridge because i doubt it was built no uh, but you uh, know people are always
1: jumping off like the third story of a house or whatever i doubt the well was that deep
0: yeah the lady at the sorrel weed house jumped off of a you know more makes more sense really right
1: yeah that's what i said like
0: she was probably (laughs) Anyways, we can't substantiate that this actually happened. This is just what we were told, so we're going to go with it. The lady's name was Sarah. And our server first heard about this while she was working late with one of her fellow associates. And it seems that this particular ghost has a fondness for women. And if she thinks that you will listen to her, she will call you by your name. They were working to close, and her associate kept getting frustrated because someone kept calling out to her. She questioned the other employees as to who kept summoning her, only to find out that no one did.
1: Creepy.
0: Ah, there's my word. (laughs) Ding, ding. Later, our server said that she had experienced the same thing, and it always seems to come from the Herb House area.
1: Yeah, so we tried a little experiment.
0: We did. We tried a little experiment. I went in there with my mom to try to force her to be a sacrificial lamb to see <laughs> if she could get her name called out. And I walked in there with her. I was going to protect her if a ghost came out. You know, I would have done the right thing. I would have pushed her into the ghost and <laughs> ran out of the room. But that didn't... Ha- I'm just kidding, mom. I wouldn't have done that. You and would not. Nah, I did some audio recordings trying to capture some EVPs while my mom was talking to whatever was in that room. Unfortunately... I didn't capture any EVPs. The only thing I captured were some Christmas music from Frank Sinatra and that um, Feliz Navidad song that plays all the time everywhere, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So didn't capture anything. So we came back in to eat after that. And so Crystal took it upon herself to go in there and investigate on her own, didn't you?
1: I did. I did a little video and I went in the herb house and it was dark in there. They had the lights out. And I called out to her and told her my name, and I didn't get any response. Shocker.
0: It is a shocker, <laughs> isn't it? You sort of expected that did. to happen.
1: but as I turned to walk back into the other part of the restaurant, I was still videoing, and I did capture several orbs and, like, misty, I don't know what you'd call it.
0: I would call it misty orbs.
1: Misty orbs and, yeah. like, colored orbs, but... I'll play the video for you on the website, and you can decide what yeah. it is.
0: It is currently on our YouTube page, so go look at it. There are several orbs. Now, I don't know if maybe it's a refraction of light on the camera lens. One but of them looked
1: like it could have been, but the rest of them were moving in different directions. Yes,
0: there is one specific orb that I saw that when she was turning to the right, it popped up and then went to the right. It didn't follow along the way that her camera would have been going, so... That might have been something. So why don't y'all go check it out? and Maybe it was a, Sarah. It could have been. You leave us a comment and let us know what you think. Is it real? Is it fake? Uh, it's not fake because we don't know how to fake stuff. Yeah, we it didn't actually fake it, happened. but I'm I don't just know saying, what it is. It might have been a natural Because usually occurrence. when we
1: capture orbs, it's in the dark and we have our flash on, you know, and you're always like, oh, well, you know, that's dust or whatever. Yeah,
0: or a bug. Yeah. And I didn't see any bugs. In yeah, there, so it so was I,
1: not, I don't think it was And it dust. was not
0: a an object blocking light. It was a bright light in and unto itself. Yeah, so yes, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Another ghost that they have in their herb house is apparently that of a child. He is said to love the stairs in the herb house and will hide under them and climb up them. And you can hear his laughter echoing through at times. When my mom and I walked in there, uh, the stairs actually led up to the second floor. It's currently blocked off. And that led to a hayloft where the herb housekeeper would sleep. So, I don't know. Maybe this kid was uh, a child of one of these people that kept the house, maybe?
1: So, did this happen before it was the pirate's house with all those raucous men hanging out there? I don't know. This had to happen because they wouldn't have kids in there.
0: Yeah. Maybe the people that ran the restaurant had children. That's true. Or the bar. I, I don't know.
1: So, did you see the child?
0: I did not see the child. Did you hear the
1: child?
0: I didn't. All I saw was a liquor bottle sitting on top of the steps (laughs) that I think was placed there for the child or maybe for Sarah. I'm not sure. (laughs) Trying to keep her in the holiday spirits is all I'm thinking. That'll do it. Yeah. So that's going to bring us into the point where we start talking about our stories. And today we're going to talk to you about two of the most beautiful, as well as some of the more haunted destinations that you will find in Savannah when you're here. When we're talking about haunted, what could be more haunted. appropriate than <laughs> cemeteries don't make fun of my accent i'm from the south i can't <laughs> help it haunted. haunted it's just like the way i say spider-man <laughs> you love it <laughs> no, and, I don't. and what you will find here are two of the most interesting places in the city and we'll start with one that is right downtown in the heart of the historic district of savannah the colonial park cemetery This cemetery was established in the year 1750, so it has been around for a long time.
1: Not as long as the Herb House.
0: No, not as long as the Herb House, if you believe (laughs) what they say. Now, some people say that because the Herb House was built with handmade brick, that it supposedly is not as old as they say it is. But like I said, for the sake of our story, we're going to go with, yes, it was built then. The Herb House is older than our country, too. And this graveyard is older than our country. It was created when Georgia was under British control before the Revolutionary War. It's currently six acres big, although it started out smaller, and it was initially a burial ground for the Christ Church Parish's members. Over the years, it was expanded several times, up to around 1789, at which point it was opened up to the other citizens of Savannah. It was closed to burials in 1853. And the city of Savannah opened a new graveyard. But there will be more about that coming up later in the episode.
1: I bet I know what it is.
0: I don't think you could guess. <laughs> um, an interesting note about the site there are around 600 marked graves, although that's nowhere near how many people are actually buried here. Joy, like to take a guess at how many? Thousands. Yes, thousands. There are around 8,000 unmarked graves.
2: Wow. It
0: is packed. And actually, I did some research and I've got a little clip here that I wanna play for you that a historian was giving a tour at Colonial Park Cemetery talking about this very fact and I will play it for you here right now.
2: Please don't be uh, concerned or worried about walking on graves. You cannot step in this cemetery anywhere without walking on a grave. This cemetery is filled beyond overflowing. And there is literally no square inch in this 5.7 acres that you can walk without stepping on somebody who's buried there.
1: So, basically, you just can't walk anywhere without stepping on someone's grave, which is something we were always taught not to do. So, that's kind of weird.
0: Seems like it could make some spirits angry. But as I've been told, and we've heard everywhere, that this is supposedly the city that is built upon its dead. I know. So, we're
1: basically walking over them all day every day. So it
0: doesn't matter where you are, I know. there are dead people underneath your feet.
1: Just kind of creepy.
0: And even though the colonial cemetery is fenced in with an ornate iron fence.
1: Ornate, they, you mean? Ornate. Ornate or ornate?
0: Mm, probably <laughs> ornate.
1: Going with ornate. Yeah.
0: They believe that the graveyard actually extends out into Abercorn and over that's Oglethorpe on the other side right
1: yeah so you're driving cars over them as well as just walking on them that's just not right
0: and actually to clear that up let me go ahead and play you one more clip that i've got from that same video
2: oh there are graves here where mysteriously it looks like the gravestones kind of just butt up to the pathway well The graves go under the pathway. Nine bodies at least were removed from uh, Abercorn Street. And this fence, lovely as it is, is a 1950s fence. Uh, So uh, we we are looking at a cemetery that probably, definitely extends into Abercorn and probably extends that way.
1: So that means we're literally driving right over the graves every day instead of just walking
0: on them? That's right. That seems to add a lot of uh, insult to injury there. Yeah. Do you think that might be annoying some spirits? That maybe? just
1: don't seem right.
0: It does not. So you can see how this is an initial way that maybe some people would be angry with uh, their graves being desecrated.
1: It seems would, like they'd be used to it by now, though. Would that I don't be know.
0: desecration, though? I mean, it's not that they're... I mean, it's paved over. I mean, yeah. it's being used for something important, which is... I think you know, they would people understand. People cutting each other off and you know, screaming at each other and going places. Making
1: U-turns in front of people without yeah, looking. Almost yeah.
0: getting in her yeah. But wait, there's more. You may have heard of Sherman's March to the Sea, right? I've heard of it. Yes, you have. Sherman burned down Atlanta and left a trail of destruction during the Civil War heading towards Savannah in order to demoralize the Confederacy into surrendering. When he got close to Savannah, the city was smart and came out in advance and surrendered. Savannah's mayor of the time, Richard Dennis Arnold, gave him a proposition. And it's something that he couldn't refuse.
1: I knew you were going to say that.
0: They would surrender. But the plus side is they would offer no resistance.
1: So what did they get out of it?
0: They would just uh, ask them to protect the people and property and not to burn down their city, basically. Well,
1: I'm glad they did because now we have all this... Amazing architecture to enjoy.
0: Yes, we do. Sherman did agree. And that's why Savannah was left relatively untouched. And that was most of it anyhow. What didn't get a reprieve was the Colonial Park Cemetery.
1: I don't think I'd be messing with the cemetery. That'd be like the last place I'd mess with.
0: If you're superstitious, I guess so. I don't know if people back then were as superstitious. It seems like they would have been more superstitious. I think they were. Yeah. Yeah. So Sherman's troops took up residence there in the cemetery. Just living on top of the dead was not enough, however. They opened up the burial vaults, they moved bodies, and the worst part is they even defaced some of the tombstones. An example of this can be found on Josiah Muir's gravestone, which can be found on the back wall of the cemetery, you know, where they have the headstones on the brick wall?
1: Yeah, it's like uh, where Renee Rondalia is supposed to be hanging out.
0: Towards the center, I think. I think Renee Randalia was like down near the end, right? Yeah. Okay. So his tombstone, it reads, In memory of Josiah Muir, who departed this life October first, eighteen twenty, aged forty four years, and Mary, his wife, who died August twenty fifth, eighteen twenty three, aged seventeen years. Also, Lewis Phoenix, I believe that's how it's written, their son who died October eighteenth, eighteen twenty, Aged twelve years
1: <laughs> seems a little unlikely.
0: I I know people can have children at a young age.
1: I don't think five year olds are having children.
0: Yeah, that's that's not happening. So this is a prime example of how the Union troops would deface gravestone markers. And you think that Josiah's spirit might be a little bit uh, ticked over this? I would be. They left this place a mess. Tombstones were turned over, scattered. That's why several of them were mounted on the back uh, wall. Is that
1: why? Because they're like broken, some of them, and they don't stand up anymore. and Yeah. So they're just like yeah. nailed to the
0: wall. So that's reason number two to have angry spirits in the cemetery, right?
1: Yeah. I would not be happy if someone wrote that on my grave.
0: Another big thing that happened was, and we covered this in a previous story, was the yellow fever epidemic of 1820. It hit Savannah hard. And I found this number of people. Don't know if it's correct. Seemed appropriate for the show. 666 people died. A very specific number, don't you think?
1: Yes, and it's a lot of people.
0: Yeah, it included two local physicians that were helping the people, and I guess they contracted the disease and died from it.
1: Yeah, it's spread by mosquitoes, right? And it once is? you get it, there's no there's no cure.
0: I read about it, and actually they do have uh, vaccinations for it now, but apparently if you catch it, there is no treatment for it if you catch it. Mm. You just have to survive it.
1: So you can survive it.
0: You you can. It, it seems like a lot of people do, but to this day, there's still a lot of people that die from it in different countries really. from what I've read. And in the corner of the cemetery, you'll see there's a placard standing and there's a mass grave where bodies were placed due to the epidemic. They just shoveled them in there.
1: And That's terrible. I yeah. wonder what the population was at the time because that seems like a huge portion of the population in 1820 since they... You know, they hadn't even been here a hundred years.
0: It does seem like a huge portion of the population. And, um, you know, with the fire going on at the same time, it's got to make you think, uh, are those two events tied together in any way?
1: I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't
0: think the fire would have caused the epidemic. I just wonder if the fire might have happened because of something related to the epidemic is what I was curious.
1: I don't know. We should look more into the fire. We will.
0: Perhaps there'll be another episode about this. So there was a lot of grief and anguish tied with that event. You can imagine you've seen how the pandemic has treated us here. So the pandemic then, I'm sure, had similar effect. And I think that probably saved up a lot of uh, energy that was negative tied to this. With that being the same year as the Great Fire, a lot of anguish in Savannah in those years.
1: It was not a good year.
0: It's not a good year for the city. So that's number two and possibly number three.
1: If If we count the fire, fire. because people probably died in the fire too.
0: Yeah. Another thing that might cause hauntings, and this one I think definitely creates some angry spirits, is that there is a history of having quite a few duels. I at think this that's comp. just
1: fascinating that men settled their scores this way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this was how men settle matters when they thought they were worthy of fighting about to the grave. And <laughs> but what you- could
1: be that important?
0: What, what could be that important? Do you want to know what's that important? Because <laughs> I've got a little bit of an yeah, example, like, and for me, I'm thinking this just makes perfect sense to kill somebody over. It could have been something as simple as a cutting <laughs> remark or a slight to one's honor that Imputing could lead to someone's this. someone's
1: honor? Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's
0: worth death. It really <laughs> is. And I'm telling you, if we still duel today, I've probably been shot a hundred times <laughs> over and not even realized that I'd done something wrong. Probably <laughs> dueling was also commonly known as. Pistols for two, coffins for one. That's catchy. It is catchy. That could be an album. Quick, (laughs) write that down. down. Write that down. That's going to go on my next (laughs) self-release. So talking about dueling, we will talk about uh, probably the most famous duel that is tied to the Colonial Park Cemetery. And that was the duel between Button Gwinnett and General Auckland McIntosh.
1: Is this name really Button? I wonder. I'm. I don't believe that. I don't even
0: want to question it. It See, just seems it, like such a cool name. It's not so
1: weird to us in the South because, like, I grew up knowing a guy named Goat
0: <laughs> and Junebug and
1: Junebug and a guy Gator. named Gator Goob. Goob. I mean, like, but so it's just normal. But now seeing it, I'm like, this guy's name was Button.
0: So what my wife's saying is, she basically lived in the Andy Griffith Show.
1: Basically.
0: Yeah. So, you may not recognize either of these names I just read off, but Button's claim to fame was that he was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence.
1: Did Did he sign it, Button Gwinnett?
0: I hope so. We're going to look that up. Yeah. So, to tell you a little bit more about this, I actually pulled some information from uh, gallivantertours.com because they have a really good write up on this, and it goes as below. As the story goes, McIntosh had established his credibility within the military and political sphere at a young age. He had high hopes and even higher ambitions about scaling the ranks within the colony of Georgia. Button Gwinnett, alternatively, had no military experience to speak of, (laughs) and yet found himself in the position of governor of Georgia during the Revolutionary War.
1: I bet his daddy knew somebody.
0: Oh, I'm sure he knew a few somebodies. (laughs) As one might expect, Lachlan McIntosh was not amused. But neither was Gwinnett. Button Gwinnett's envy only escalated after McIntosh was placed in the charge of all of the Continental troops in Georgia. Do you know who wanted that position?
1: I think it's Gwinnett.
0: You think it's Button?
1: Not Not Gwinnett. good old boy Button. Not Gwinnett, but Gwinnett. Gwinnett. That's how we pronounce it here.
0: Oh, sorry. (laughs) It's not like I've lived here for several years. Soon enough, McIntosh and Gwinnett began issuing orders to the troops that completely contradicted or just flat-out disputed (laughs) what the other had said. Matters became so terrible between the men that under one of Gwinnett's orders, when the British invaded, McIntosh and his men were left roaming the Floridian Swamp.
1: Oh, no, that is not cool. As you do. No. Mm -hmm.
0: McIntosh returned to Georgia in a flurry of anger. That flurry swirled even faster after discovering his brother had been arrested for treason by none other than, (laughs) go ahead and say it,
1: Button Gwinnett.
0: Yes. McIntosh had had enough. The insults came next, naturally, and naturally, Gwinnett yeah, issued you said it right. a challenge to a duel. They decamped to this still unknown location and faced off with their seconds at the ready. Normally, the men would have positioned themselves with their backs turned, but McIntosh was keen to see his opponent's face. So is it
1: like in the cartoons when they like stand back to back and there's like 10 paces or whatever? and
0: they? I- I don't know if that was made up or not, but there is a code. I read about it. There was a code for dueling that people were supposed to abide by, and it told them the rules of dueling. So
1: Macintosh wasn't having that. Yeah,
0: we could we could look that up. So Macintosh aimed at Gwinnett's thigh. Gwinnett did the same.
1: I thought this was to the death. Why are you just going to shoot him in the leg?
0: Well, you didn't hear the end. In traditional duels, from what I read, is it wasn't necessarily to the death. It oh, was just well, till the lame. other party said, gave up, gave up <laughs> or you injured them sufficiently to where they couldn't do anything oh, about
1: it. So you're like maimed for life.
0: Either that or killed. Killed is definitely the primary option that happened. Uh, so Macintosh aimed at Gwinnett's thigh and Gwinnett did the same. But Gwinnett's fire glanced off MacIntosh's leg, leaving only a superficial wound. It's merely a flesh wound. Yeah,
1: that's because he was in the military and he's like in shape and stuff. And yeah. But Gwinnett over there just sitting there uh, arresting people for treason for yeah. no good reason.
0: So the same cannot be said for the governor. Gwinnett was felled by the force of his wound. And as I read it, he died a couple days later. Oh. And another thing I read is like when they would hurt people to the point where they were bleeding and bleeding severely, they had the op. They had the option in these duels to bring medical assistance. So they could, if they thought they wanted it and they both agreed to it, they would. But most of them did not. So, what that meant was, if somebody was severely injured, they were basically left to bleed out at this site of the duel.
1: Mm -hmm. But would they leave the governor of Georgia?
0: Well, that's part of the reason that they actually started outlawing the practice of dueling was because they didn't want people in government positions (laughs) to be subjected (laughs) to this. That was one of the times they tried to outlaw it. That actually was one of the reasons. So this is just one of the many stories of the bloody challenge that many men took part in at Colonial Park Cemetery. This brutal practice left many a man dead and mangled, some of which are buried in the same cemetery that they fought their last battle in. So surely, this could bring some negative energy into the cemetery. What do you think, Crystal? Yeah,
1: I think Button's still mad about that.
0: I think he's mad that his name's Button. He probably wants some cooler, like, Blade, <laughs>
1: yeah, no, <laughs> blade or spot with a, with a gun.
0: They call me Blade.
1: Blade, I got I'm the a governor
0: gun. of the military. You can't do nothing <laughs> with a Macintosh. And Macintosh would be like, Man, that's such a poser. <laughs> so, do you no-
1: even play in the swamps, bro?
0: <laughs> do you even go to the Floridian swamps, my man? <laughs> so, another documented occurrence at the cemetery, much like Bonaventure was the practice of voodoo rituals. And if you haven't heard, there is a lot of voodoo in the Savannah region, right?
1: That's what they say.
0: You can read it in the book. And the book is...
1: Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil.
0: Yeah, it talks about an actual person that lived here that was a voodoo practitioner. So that's a pretty interesting book. I haven't read the book. I started the movie and I fell asleep on it. And uh, shame to say I haven't finished it yet. But Crystal knows the story. She read the book. And um, so she knows about this. Do you remember what the name of the voodoo practitioner was?
1: That Lady Minerva?
0: Lady Minerva. I, I didn't I remember that, but it. that sounds right. So,
1: <laughs> Something like that.
0: The cemetery wasn't always closed at night, and people that would come into it in the morning after would find evidence of voodoo rituals that had been performed. One of the claims is that human bones would be exhumed in the practice of these rituals, and I don't know that if That seems has, like a lot of work. Yeah, I don't know if that's been confirmed, but if so, you would think that could definitely add to the anger of spirits that may frequent the cemetery, right? Have your grave desecrated that way. Uh,
1: yeah, I wouldn't be doing that. That's no.
0: even worse than like messing up your gravestone, right?
1: Yeah, like messing with their bones. No.
0: Yeah. Speaking of moving graves and bodies, one of the most famous previous residents of Colonial Park is Nathaniel Green. He was one of Washington's foremost generals in the Revolutionary War. At the end of his service, he was awarded the Mulberry Grove Plantation. It no longer exists. I mean, there is a road marker that shows you where it is, but it was used at the time as a rice plantation and was made prosperous on the backs of the slaves that toiled there, which is very unfortunate, right? Yeah.
1: Having to toil with rice is not a good idea. I'm
0: sure it's not. That's
1: probably pretty hot.
0: Yeah. On June 9th, Georgia. Well, it's always hot here, except for when it's not. <laughs> it's not
1: hot today. Yeah,
0: it's not today. You're wearing a full jacket as we're sitting <laughs> right now. I'm wearing a
1: coat with fur. I am. Yeah. On June 19th,
0: 1786, Nathaniel died as a result of heat stroke on his uh, plantation. I told
1: you it was too hot out there.
0: Yeah. His body was to be placed in the Graham family vault as they didn't need it because they had fled Savannah several years before as they were sympathizers to the crown. Mm. Uh, yeah. A few years after his burial, Nathaniel's son, George Washington Green, died as a result of his boat capsizing near that same plantation. They opened up the vault and buried him with his father on April 4th, 1790. And then, somehow, the city of Savannah lost both their bodies.
1: I can believe this about Savannah, honestly. Yeah, two guys <laughs> with a
0: screwdriver and they're there to fix everything. Wow, well, the pipe's leaking. Oh, we got the screwdriver, guys. Yeah. <laughs> And so, how is it possible? In 1901, Asa Bird, the president of the Rhode Island Society of Cincinnati, came here with the express purpose of trying to track down Nathaniel Green.
1: He sounds like the guy that would be sent. Yeah. Asa Bird. It does yeah. sound like
0: it's like a movie. Yeah. It's like, we're here to find Nathaniel Green.
1: I'm the president of the Rhode Island Society of Cincinnati. What does that even mean?
2: Where
0: is he? You know, something like that. After the inspection of several family vaults in the cemetery, the body of Nathaniel and his son were eventually found in the Graham-Mossman family vault.
1: Seems like they would have kept a record of where they put people, but Eh, that's just me.
0: That's a lot of work. (laughs) Apparently, there was some kind of evidence, although I can't find what it was, that conclusively proved this to be their bodies.
1: It's probably his teeth.
0: Yeah, they probably had dental records back then. (laughs) They
1: probably had extensive dental records. They probably had like
0: some real bling or something. He wore like some really gaudy gold ring or something that had like his initials on it.
1: Uh, Someone would have stole that sucker.
0: Yeah. Then in 1902, the bodies of Green and his son were relocated to their current and final resting place underneath their monument that you will find this day in Johnson Square in Savannah, Georgia. This monument is an obelisk. And is one of the more impressive monuments in the city, right?
1: Yeah, and I just, I don't know why I find it so much weirder to think that there's someone buried under a statue in a square than even though you know they're everywhere. I don't know. That just creeps me out.
0: And this one they did intentionally, though. Yeah, I
1: know. And it's like, you did that on purpose.
0: No one's going to be bothering that (laughs) gravesite. I know.
1: It just, it's weird. But
0: could this have angered the famous general and have him come back to haunt the city? You know, mislocating his body.
1: No, I think he's over that now. He's got himself a suite set up. He's got a monument. He's got a
0: square. He's got a
1: whole square. He's right
0: uptown.
1: Yeah, he's got all kinds of people coming and going. He can sit and people watch all day. He's good.
0: Yeah. And although you can't go into the cemetery after dark now, and that's why every time you're there, you'll see a bunch of tourists standing outside the gates. They're not allowed to go in after dark. Some people say they can see activity even from outside the cemetery. There's been stories, including from some prominent tour guides around here, that they've seen shadowy figures slinking around the gravestones, that there have been unexplainable sounds emanating from the yard, and it has even been claimed that people have seen a green mist cover the ground. Sounds a lot like one of these low-budget horror movies we like to watch, doesn't it?
1: It does, but I wish I could see something like that. I never see anything like that.
0: I know. And I'm surprised we didn't see it at Zach Bagan's place because that place has got the evil just flowing yeah, out of it. That
1: right? was some freaky
0: stuff. We should maybe go back. if he's, uh, We just watched an episode where apparently they're building onto that and making yeah, it bigger. If expanding. they expand it, we should take another visit. And yeah, maybe definitely. we'll have better luck this time. But one of the most interesting stories about this cemetery is what is supposed to be one of the most compelling examples of video footage of a ghost that has ever been captured. I'm going to play a clip about this video right now.
2: December 31st, 2008.
0: My mom gave me that video camera and was like, you know, film whatever you want.
2: Jesse zoomed in and out on various tombstones, and then he saw something strange.
0: And out of the corner of the camera, uh, I just, this kid caught my eye.
2: He says a child running after a shadowy woman.
0: Couldn't even see her face, so I just focused on this kid. He
2: says the figure suddenly jumped onto a tree. Moments later, it dropped and disappeared. Back home in Akron, Jesse's family watched it repeatedly.
0: I studied it for like hours.
2: They all believe it's supernatural. The clothes are definitely dated, like Civil War or something like that.
0: And then it's totally not human. Well, we watched the video, and it it was rather creepy looking, you know, because it really looks like a little kid running across the screen. It looks like he pops up into the tree and then falls down.
2: The Creature Corps experts analyzed the video for nearly two hours.
0: gut feeling is I don't think they actually faked this. They definitely don't think it's faked. So, Crystal, you've watched this video, and you've heard what the experts had to say. What do you think about this?
1: I don't know. I think it's pretty compelling. Do you think it's real?
0: I think it's not fake.
1: Yeah, I don't think you could fake it with the VHS and all that. I mean, it's not like what we have today where you can just, like, manipulate all kinds of settings yeah. and stuff. I, I mean, know. it
0: would have been possible, but it had have been far A whole more lot of work. difficult. with uh, There's less expertise And to back what then. end?
1: You know, what's yeah. he trying to get?
0: Yeah, if they're trying to get famous off of it. Yeah, and This happened several years ago, so I'm not thinking that they got super famous, but... It is definitely something you have to watch. And I'm going to go ahead and link that video to our uh, our webpage, and you will be able to watch it yourself. Just go to our blog and look up the video. I'll make sure it's clearly labeled. And you watch it, and you tell us what you think. I think it's definitely something that's unexplained. I wish he could have gotten a better view of it, because as the child did his ghostly vanishing act he got shocked and turned the camera towards the ground if he could have just kept it trained on the ghost maybe it would have been a little bit more easy to interpret but
1: yeah i think though when you're in that situation you're not expecting to see a ghost so you're not like oh i gotta keep this trained on it and then it just like you get all excited and so i think you would just drop everything if it were you (laughs) you i
0: would probably drop everything and run because (laughs) that's just how i roll i am in fear of ghosts but i'm getting a little braver i haven't Hadn't experienced yet, but, um, you know, might come.
1: You weren't uh, scared of my orbs. So no, that's, the that's orbs <laughs> don't scare me.
0: Now, if I was sitting in bed and I saw some orbs floating over me, might be a different story. <laughs> so you should definitely come check out this cemetery. It's hard to miss when you're wandering around the historic district. And outside of the potential paranormal It's just a really nice place to visit. That brings us to our second spot on the episode, the Laurel Grove Cemetery. You will find the Laurel Grove Cemetery to the west of the historic district. It's nearly in line with the south end of Forsyth Park. The cemetery was developed in 1850 once the old cemetery, Colonial Park, and several others approached capacity. It's pretty interesting, right? Yep. One of the interesting facts about this cemetery is that the rights to all of the available cemetery lots were sold out during the Victorian era. And so this park-like cemetery likely has the highest concentration of Victorian period cemetery architecture in the entire Southeast.
1: I can attest to that. We were there yesterday and it is quite expansive.
0: Yes, it is uh, much larger than Colonial Park because it covers... Right at 67 acres.
1: And we probably covered almost all of that.
0: Yeah, with the dogs. We had the dogs yeah, there. Yeah, they pulled
1: us around the whole place, yeah. basically.
0: And now every single time we're going to the door, they're thinking they're going to a cemetery now. So yeah, it's their
1: new favorite thing to do.
0: Yeah. It was also designed around a natural ravine. And another fact about the cemetery, it's actually a segregated cemetery with Laurel Grove South reserved for slaves and free blacks and Laurel Grove North for whites, and there's also a small Jewish section and a section of graves for Confederate soldiers. Did you know that over 1,500 Confederate soldiers are buried in the cemetery?
1: I did, because I counted each and every one of them yesterday.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we, we were definitely throughout that yard long enough to do that, weren't we? Yeah. Like I said, we took Layla and coffee with us to visit on the day trip we took the other day, And we wanted to take some pictures and maybe possibly catch uh, an EVP or something in the process, right?
1: Which we may have, and a lot of it is them whining in the background. So Yeah,
0: we captured a lot of ghostly dog barks and whines. They don't
1: like us separating. Like, I tried to walk them away so he could be alone with the graves, and they weren't having that.
0: No, the pack cannot be broken up.
1: Not even, like, 10 feet away. Like, Layla nearly... Made me fall over a gravestone trying to get back to him.
0: Yeah, Layla will have a small stroke if she thinks one of us is even 10 feet away, like she said. So, buried here, some of the notable graves are Juliette Gordon-Lowe, and she was the founder of the Girl Scouts of America. Her final resting place is nestled under some trees and guarded by an iron fence. Her tombstone is a white cross raised above a grave, and it's covered in a, a bunch of stones and pebbles. like Yeah, that.
1: Girl Scouts, um, I think Girl Scout troops come and visit, and they leave painted rocks with their troop number on it. So Juliette Gordon-Lowe is actually buried in her Girl Scout uniform, and beside her is a Western Union telegram that says, you are not only the first Girl Scout, you are the best Girl Scout of them all. With greatest appreciation, Girl Scouts Western Oklahoma Troops 27, 559, 618, 3155, and 3472. And on her headstone is the Bible verse from 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen that says, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love.
0: Another famous resident you've probably never heard of would be James Lord Pierpont. Although his name may not jump out at you, One of his accomplishments might. He was best known as the writer and composer of the song Jingle Bells in 1857.
1: Oh, that was a long time ago when you would name your son's middle name Lord.
0: Lord. (laughs) I don't know if it was a title or if that was just his middle name.
1: But wouldn't it be Lord James or is it James Lord?
0: You can call me James Lord (laughs) Pierpont.
1: Like you have to say all three names.
0: I hope he talked like that. He did. Did you know that the... Jingle Bell song was originally titled The One Horse Open Sleigh.
1: I didn't, but I think Jingle Bells is a much better title.
0: Yeah, it's one of the most performed and most recognizable songs in the world.
1: Yeah, even Johnny Mercer did it. We were listening to that on the way up there, actually.
0: He was the original rap artist because he's been remixed and <laughs> checked. Quite a few times, right? Yeah. On a side note, I actually did record some EVPs as we were walking around the cemetery, or at least I attempted to, and I did some recording at the grave sites. At James's grave, I believe I might have captured something, and I'll play that later in the episode to let you hear it and see what you think. And just like everything else in Savannah, this cemetery is supposedly haunted. So to give you an idea of some of the claimed encounters people have had, One of the local ghost tour CEOs of Ghost City Tours claimed to have a rather disturbing experience, and this happened in the middle of the day. He claimed to be taking up photography and thought that this historic cemetery would be a great place to hone his craft. And I don't think he's wrong. What do you think?
1: I don't think he's wrong. I think it's a great place to photograph. We took actually a lot of pictures yesterday and we'll post some of those.
0: Well, he was taking a photograph and he watched as what looked to be part of a human hand snake out from behind of one of the tombstones and begin crawling towards him.
1: Did he not get a picture of that? (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) I mean, like if you're photographing things and a hand crawls out, I think that's when I'd take the picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This uh, happened only briefly, as very shortly thereafter, it vanished.
1: How long does it take to snap a picture?
0: I don't know. Wouldn't it have been cool if that had happened to us?
1: Uh, maybe, but the dogs probably would have just like grabbed the hand and.
0: They would have grabbed it up like a <laughs> toy and thrashed it around and yeah. ran off with it. I'd be sure. Then we'd have
1: actual proof of ghosts.
0: Like, yep, the dog caught a hand and then they would arrest us, saying that the dogs actually probably dug the hand <laughs> out of a grave.
1: And then we'd be in jail right now. Well, so Layla that's probably a good thing.
0: It. Yeah, coffee probably might
1: have done And uh, it's just weird because we were there. We were all by ourselves in the whole cemetery. We didn't see anybody else. And we no, didn't see any person. anything unusual.
0: No. Another thing commonly reported in the cemetery is that when you are walking around, you will hear footsteps behind you. They will supposedly match your pace. And when you turn around to see who's following you, surprise, there's no one there. It is said that many visitors will also get the feeling that they're being followed. Did you feel like you were being followed yesterday?
1: Only by the dogs.
0: Well, more so <laughs> being trampled and drugged. And like wrapped around
1: gone. with their leashes is basically what I felt.
0: Yeah, coffee sort of looked like the mummy. She wrapped herself up so tight in her leash that it was all over her legs and
1: Yeah, we had to keep unwinding her.
0: Yeah. I got this story from SavannahTerrors.com another ghost story. Um, Some stories go back as far as the 1850s. Just after the cemetery was established, a trolley ran through the area and passed right beside the graveyard. Every day, those riding the trolley claimed to hear the sound of a child crying as they passed by Laurel Grove. No one ever saw the child, but supposedly they always heard the crying no matter the time of day or how many times they passed by the cemetery. Trolley workers claimed the crying went on for years Another odd fact is that they say only riders on trolley car number 28 could hear the child crying. This has since stopped since those days, but no one has ever figured this mystery out.
1: Did they not try to go see if there was a child out there or
0: what? I don't know. I feel like they were probably very busy at the time. Like I just see a bunch of guys in fedoras and they're like, why got time to go check this out? We got to get to work.
1: (laughs) That's how they talk in Savannah.
0: I don't know. That's how they talked in old movies, though.
1: <laughs> no one's, you know.
0: What? <laughs> I, I like to think that that's how they talk. That's probably how Johnny Mercer talked. He was probably he on that probably trolley. Like, I got to get to the recording studio. We got to go. <laughs> Others claim to see a beautiful woman in a wedding dress in different areas of the graveyard. No one knows who she is and supposedly don't even notice that she's a ghost. That sounds sort of weird, right? You see a woman walking around in a wedding dress and no one else. You're going to think. Something's out of place here, right?
1: Well, a lot of times they take photos downtown Savannah with, uh, you know, getting ready for their weddings and stuff. And they even have weddings, so maybe there are people who like to get married in graveyards. So maybe she's just waiting on everybody to show up.
0: Herself. She's in her waiting. Dress, walking around the graveyard. Well, you
1: know, the groom's not supposed to see her until the wedding, so maybe he's on his way.
0: Did I mention that she also vanishes behind trees or headstones?
1: Oh, okay. You didn't mention that part.
0: Okay. And then well, she's
1: definitely a ghost.
0: Yeah. You are most likely to see this ghost during the daytime, although claims have been made that she's been seen at night as well. I Don't. didn't see her. I didn't see <laughs> her either, but I think if there were any ghosts there, that our dogs probably would have scared them off because they are nuts.
1: Yeah, they were probably just annoyed by the dogs. They're like, we're not coming out.
0: Mm-mm. And just like Colonial Cemetery, there are claims that voodoo practitioners and witches use the Laurel Grove Cemetery to perform their rituals during the night. What we have been told at Bonaventure, which you can hear in one of our previous episodes, is that you will be able to find remnants of these rituals. However, we didn't see anything of this nature while we were strolling the grounds, right? That's
1: not true. We saw some empty ketchup packets that kind (laughs) of... yes, we
0: did. I found some very spooky ketchup packets that I think were part of a voodoo ritual. We'll throw some pictures up on the website.
1: And we saw some, uh, like, empty candle holders, like you buy at Bilo if you're going to, like,
0: like the Catholic, yeah, the Catholic candles like that they like burned to Mary or whatever. Well, there was a gravestone there, and it's very old. The person in that grave has been dead since 1906. So I don't see how people would still be visiting the grave. That's another thing that was interesting throughout most of the park is everything's there is so old that you don't see a lot of memorials and people putting wreaths and stuff like that out for these graves because they're just so Oh well,
1: most of them are, but there are people still being buried there today because we went over and saw that a lady had just been buried there to the point where they hadn't even put her headstone on, just a you know a marker with her name. So I don't know yeah. where the newer graves were because the ones we all saw were all like 1900, yeah, 1800.
0: So. so, so as I said earlier, I did attempt some EVPs at several of the grave sites. Most of the attempts I did didn't capture anything, like at Juliet Lowe's. However, when I recorded over James Pierpont's Mr. Jingle Bells, I got this. And I'll play the clip for you now. James, are you here? Are you at peace? Okay, so what do you think? There was no one else in the cemetery with us at this time. We were all alone. It definitely wasn't the dogs, as it sounded like a person's voice to me. And the only other person in the cemetery was Crystal, and she was standing right beside me when this happened, and she was not talking.
1: I think it was him. He was angry because you didn't address him as James Lord Pierpont. No, so
0: you don't <laughs> want to address him as James Lord You just go to James. Him as like, what are James you on a first-name basis with Pierpont. him? Lord Pierpont.
1: He's like, um, you will address me Listen properly. Listen here, peasant.
0: <laughs> Yes, that's possible. I
1: wrote jingle bells. I wrote (gasps) jingle bells.
0: What have you done with your life?
1: (laughs) You have a podcast. What is this?
0: (laughs) This is ridiculous. Get your audio equipment away from (laughs) my grave. So we also attempted an EVP in the midst of the Confederate soldiers' graves. This is what we captured there. So we're currently standing in the graveyard at Laurel Grove, where there are a bunch of Confederate soldiers buried. Do you believe that you were right? Now, I don't know what that was. Could it be a spirit or could it have been a bird? What do you think, Crystal?
1: I don't know. It didn't sound like the other birds. I don't know what all birds sound like, so possibly. But I'm going to go with it. was a ghost.
0: Yeah, we didn't. It wasn't much. And I tried to clear it up as much as possible for you. But still don't know what it could have been. It was either think?
1: a bird or someone saying yes.
0: Yeah, because of the question I asked them. Yeah. I thought they said no. He said no? I don't know. You tell <laughs> us what they said.
1: So, since we were talking about the burial place of Juliet Gordon Lowe, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about her birthplace and her family since I found some interesting info about them and the house.
0: And where is that house located?
1: It's located on the corner of Oglethorpe and Bull Streets in downtown Savannah.
0: What a shock. It's in Savannah.
1: <laughs> it is. It's a federal-style building, and it's brick covered with stucco.
0: Sort of like that building, the pink house? Isn't yeah. that the same deal? Yeah, they covered that it's up. It's just not pink, though. It's
1: not pink. Okay. It was built in 1821, and we haven't been inside it, but we've been near it. We've by walked it. past it Yeah, we've walked near it and seen the courtyard. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Today, it's simply known by the locals as the birthplace.
0: That sounds like what they called the hospital over here <laughs> where is. we used to live.
1: It is. Yeah. So, Juliet, who was nicknamed Daisy, was quite accomplished, as we know. She was a painter, a woodworker, a philanthropist, and like we said earlier, the founder of the Girl Scouts of America.
0: Very industrious. She sounds like you.
1: She did a lot more than that, but I didn't have time to write it all down. Okay. However, it's not her ghost that still haunts this house. It's her parents. Okay. Unlike many of the other ghost stories we've uncovered in Savannah that are often born out of tragedy or unrest, this story is a happy one with ghosts who seem to love their home and chose to stick around in some way.
0: Okay, this doesn't sound at all like a story we would cover. No, so this is a happy story. Yeah. I, well, it is just about Christmas time. Yeah,
1: we want to lighten it up.
0: It's still the holidays.
1: <laughs> so, Juliet's father was named William Washington Gordon II.
0: Now, that is a name.
1: It is. He was named after some lieutenant in the army, something like that.
0: Maybe a Washington? Yeah. Not George. Not George. Yeah. Heavens no. Not George.
1: So, he was nicknamed Willie, and he was born in a prominent Savannah family.
0: Okay. So, Wait, back up. This guy's name was William Washington (laughs) Gordon II. And the coolest nickname they could come up with for him was Willie. Well,
1: he's got another one you'll hear in a second. Okay. Um, So he was born, like I said, into a prominent Savannah family. He was actually the first Georgian to graduate from West Point Academy.
0: Didn't know that. That's
1: cool. So he fought in the Civil War and eventually became a captain which is what his wife, Eleanor, or Nellie, affectionately called him. The captain. Yeah, the staff also called him that captain.
0: Can you call me the captain? No. No. Okay, that's reasonable.
1: After the war, he became the president of the Central of Georgia Railroad, which was an essential transportation link for the cotton industry between Savannah and Atlanta.
0: Okay, well, that's interesting. Got choo-choo trains involved.
1: (laughs) It was pretty important back then. Yeah. Nellie was accomplished in her own right. She was born into a prominent family that was essential in founding the city of Chicago. She was educated in the domestic arts as well as French, Latin, and English composition, and eventually became an editor and author like her mother and grandmother.
0: So this entire family was super accomplished is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, they had a lot going on. Yeah. So this ghost story is really a love story. Willie and Nellie met at a party one night when the rambunctious Nellie slid down a banister and crashed into Willie, crumpling his brand new
0: hat. Oh, no. <laughs> There's one thing. That sounds like dueling.
1: <laughs> no. That actually... sounds
0: like pistols at noon.
1: <laughs> no, he was smitten. So it was love at first sight.
0: Uh-huh. She crashed into his heart.
1: Yeah. So they soon married and went on to have six children. And more than 40 years of marriage.
0: Well, we're about halfway on both those counts, right? Or oh, more <laughs> no, than halfway No, more on than children. halfway with the children, but yeah.
1: well, no, if you count the two dogs, we got six.
0: Yeah, we do. So we're almost as cool as they are.
1: We got 20 some, well, 20 years to go, a little less.
0: Yeah, if we can make it that long. <laughs> if you don't make me end up being one of the story topics we have on this show. <laughs>
1: no. So their letters and journals speak of a deep devotion that spanned decades. So when Willie died in 1912, Nellie was left devastated. She spent her final years in bed, mourning his passing, until one day, five years later, as the family was sitting vigil at her bedside. it said that she sat straight up in bed with her eyes wide open and arms outstretched. She turned to her daughter, Juliet, and said, Do not cry for me when I'm gone. Everyone should celebrate. I'm going to be with my captain. Happy time! (laughs) With that, she closed her eyes and died peacefully. Juliet went downstairs to inform the staff, and when she got to the butler, he had tears running down his face. He told Juliet that he had seen the captain walk up the staircase, appearing like he did in his prime, in his favorite gray suit. Then he saw him walk back down the stairs with Nellie, and they walked out the door arm in arm. He said it was great to see him again. So what do you think about that?
0: I think that that sounds almost too good to be true, but (laughs) I like it, so I'm going to say I believe in it.
1: I think it's a great true love story. Yeah, I mean. Whether it's true or not. (laughs)
0: Me and Crystal are both skeptical about ghosts, to be honest with you. I mean, we've experienced some things. And actually, uh, I was shocked that I captured an EVP like I played for you on this episode. So there's definitely stuff out there. It also
1: said that his daughter-in-law saw him walk up the stairs, not just the butler. So there was more than one person saw him.
0: And why would they lie about it?
1: Yeah, why would they? So visitors today say they still see the ghost of Nellie sometimes walking by the window or drinking tea. Uh, we were standing outside. I didn't see anyone in the window, did you?
0: I, I didn't know to look in the window. I didn't the building is so interesting to look at that, you know, I mean, you see the windows, but if you've been there and you can look some pictures up, maybe you should post something on our webpage. You can see how cool that building. Well, everything in Savannah is cool. Yeah, it's
1: just overwhelming when you get downtown. Yeah, just, you, everything is
0: The trees are towering over you everywhere you go. It's not like anywhere else I've ever been.
1: Other people say they hear her playing her piano softly. So she also played piano.
0: Okay. Well, (laughs) that's that's no shock. Apparently they could do everything.
1: (laughs) Some people hear the footsteps as if Willie is walking up the staircase still. And staff say that the ghosts are particularly fond of electronic devices. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Often they arrive in the morning and find mounds of paper that has been printed out on the computer printer.
0: Wow. If we walked in with some (laughs) of the gear that we have and probably will be collecting as time goes on, they're probably going to jump out and just rip it right out of my hands.
1: The ghosts like to turn on and off electronic devices too. So, like maybe Nellie just wants her own phone, and then
0: well, I've got a phone for her now. Yeah,
1: I don't think she'll mind your cracked screen since you got a new phone for Christmas. You know,
0: it was just Christmas. We're actually recording this episode, the finishing portion on Christmas Day, and. I got her a really cool thing, I think, a few couple cool things. And then she buys me the most awesome stuff in the universe. (laughs) And I just want to say to everybody listening to this podcast that I have the greatest wife in the entire world and the most thoughtful person there is. I don't know about that. You are. (laughs) We have a love story just like them when you're not wanting to slap me.
1: So it looks like Nellie and Willie want to stay in the house that they loved so much in life.
0: And that is going to complete our tour for now of two of the most famous cemeteries in Savannah. And you know what that means. It's time for
1: Layla and Coffee Talk.
0: Okay, so Crystal, on this episode about our psychotic dogs, we're going to talk about Christmas presents. So you want to let them know what's going on in the world of Layla and Coffee.
1: Yeah, so last week your parents came and we opened presents with them. And of course, Layla and Coffee have to get a present because they're our children, just like our other kids. So what did they get?
0: They got two humongous ears of corn.
1: (laughs) Not real ears of corn that you eat, but toy corn. And they were quite excited. Very excited. We knew they were squeaky toys, but we didn't realize the extent of the squeaky toys that they were. They were quite obnoxious. To the point where I had to take them away after after like Merry thirty Christmas. minutes.
0: Now give me them presents back, <laughs> yeah. you stupid dogs. We
1: let them play with it for a little while, but then we we couldn't take it anymore.
0: Yeah, but that didn't stop coffee because she somehow found it last night.
1: and she came down to our bed last night with her stalk of corn, and she proceeded to dismantle it and rip out the entire squeaker.
0: Yep, she ripped its guts out, and the squeaker is basically a humongous water bottle with sprinkles <laughs> in it. It looked like in a it.
1: water bottle. But it it had squeakers in it somehow. Yeah.
0: She was very pleased with herself after she did it, wasn't she?
1: Yeah, she was. To the point where this morning she came down there with Layla's toy and tried to take it apart, but we took it from her to let Layla play with it.
0: Yes. What an amazing dog. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode of Scary Savannah Beyond. Once again, we'd like to remind you to visit our Patreon page to support the podcast for as little as $3 a month, our website for that is patreon.com forward slash scary savannah. You can go to our website and I recommend you do that because you can go look at some of these videos we mentioned in this episode and they'll be linked in our blog section of the website. That's at www.scary savannah and beyond.com or www.scary You can find us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. If you look everywhere up the user at Scary Savannah. I actually think on YouTube we don't have it linked there yet. It's uh currently you can access YouTube by going through our webpage. There's a link for it. I think TikTok does have our name on it. And you can go see pictures of the dogs and videos of various other things, whatever it is Crystal's uploading. Yeah,
1: I videoed the dogs um with their stalks of corn, so I'm gonna put that up.
0: Yeah. And you can give us a call at our phone number, which is 912-406-2899. Once again, that's 912-406-2899. You can leave us a voicemail and tell us how we're doing, give us any corrections. Uh, If there's something you'd like us to play on the podcast, you can leave us a recording. Or if you want to beatbox uh, a sample of Jingle Bells for James Lord Pierpont, (laughs) then we would love to play that on a future episode. So I believe that wraps it up and just leaves one last thing.
1: Join us next time in Savannah, where the ghosts and the good times live on.